This is a Rooster Teeth production. He was a revolutionary labor union activist, working hard to grow and develop the union. But he also entangled himself with organized crime. Then, on July 30th of 1975, he vanished without a trace, never to be seen again. Today we discuss the whirlwind disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. This is Red Web. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Red Web, my task force at large. We are a global infrastructure. We have people in high and low places, Fredo. I'm Trevor Collins. This is Alfredo Diaz. Do we have the funding to go global? Listen, I'm looking back and forth between Alfredo and Christian. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no. Uh, How you doing, task force? I hope you guys are well. I just wanted to shout out. Thank you all so much. For the continued five-star reviews coming in on Red Web, pushing us far and beyond our sister podcast, Face Jam, and the others. Yeah. The Jam battle face. is still on. The war <laughs> is brewing, and you will be called to arms soon yes. enough. Yes. Prepare to be activated as a task <laughs> in the In the coming... The the storm is it's, almost It's going to be a winter soldier situation. Just someday I'm going to say three random words and everyone's going to be like, hubby, 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 what? <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm locked in. Um, this one is, I'm Jimmy, excited that we're talking I've about this I've heard the name Jimmy Hoffa like a ton of times. Uh-huh. It was always like reference and I never knew yes. what the reference was oh, or but anything we, like that. If, if you've got the reference in your mind, Task Force, you especially. So there was a Martin Scorsese film that we're going to be referencing, okay. The Irishman from 2019. Oh. If you've watched that movie, which I unfortunately haven't, but if you've watched that movie, a lot of this is going to be tickling some sort of like uncanny valley. You're going to be like, oh my God, I recognize this. We are going to go into the deep history of who Jimmy Hoffa was, how he got to the position that he was, what went down with his disappearance, and then the subsequent investigation. Lots of facts to unfold, which is a total kind of juxtaposition to the mystery that that we discussed last week, which almost had no information to discuss. Yeah, and here it's like, bam, information overload. But still a mystery. Damn it. Just as Um, much a mystery. Yeah, it's always intriguing to see how this stays a mystery, especially with the cases that have a ton of information. Oh, yeah. But... I, I will say, this seems like a, you know, live long enough to see yourself become the villain type situation when they're, you know, for justice and then all of a sudden they get, you know, got in, get into like crime and stuff like that. Damn you. Damn you with your your gut. I, I say this every episode what? like clockwork. No joke. I'm sure Task Force out there going, this is scripted. But seriously, what? the way that you come in with just the hook of the, of the mystery, you what? got a little bit of the groundwork and you're able to like leap into it. Like, there is absolutely some Dark Knight analogies happening here. Live long enough to see yourself become the oh, villain elements yeah. happening. Like, as we were researching this, I'm like, this reminds me of the Dark Knight himself. Hell like, yeah. some two faced sort of situations going Ooh. on. Already way at you, Christian. Yeah. So, anyway, you're, you're I don't. worth every penny. I don't Christian. know. What, listen, use <laughs> that sixth sense of yours. Information. Get me some some lottery ticket numbers man i don't i don't know but all right let's let's dive into the long and colorful history of jimmy hoffa so hoffa was a union activist he was an american labor union leader and he served as the president of the international brotherhood of teamsters the ibt from 1957 until 1971 The IBT, which we're going to talk about a lot this episode, is a U.S. labor union that advocates for truck drivers, warehouse workers, and others in the working class. Mm -hmm. Hoffa's passion for advocating for mistreated workers came from firsthand experience when he lost his coal mining father to lung cancer back in 1920 due to poor working conditions. He organized his first strike while working for Kroger Grocery in Detroit back in the early 1930s. And in the early days of the union, the Teamsters organized truckers across the country through strikes, boycotts, and other forms of protest. They won contract demands on behalf of workers that detailed fair working conditions. So Hoffa's drive and passion as a local organizer caught the attention of the Teamsters, and he then joined that team, working his way up the ranks for many, many years to come. As I mentioned, he eventually became the president of that whole team. But just to give you all the background, Hoffa grew up in Michigan and became the chairman of the Central States Drivers Council in 1940. And by 1942, he was the president of the Michigan Conference of Teamsters. 
Then, in 1952, Hoffa was selected as National Vice President of the IBT and served in his position until he took over as President in 1957. He then played a major role in the growth and development of the Union. His role was so impactful, in fact, that the Union had the largest membership of any Union in the United States, with over 2.3 million members at its peak. Damn. It's a lot. It's a lot of people that you're representing. Oh. Good, good work out there, you know what I mean? Advocating yeah. for fair work environments. Not only are you doing a good job, but it's showing because everyone's getting on board. Mm -hmm. I can imagine the amount of, like, cases you have to deal with. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, right? hey, I was unfairly treated here, there. Like, anything from, like, the big, like, the company as a whole to, like my fellow coworker or my fellow right. manager or something like that. And it's just like, oh, okay. Well. Yeah. I mean, listen, I understand that modern opinions on unions sway very far this way and that way. We're yeah. not going to get into all that. Yeah. But you there, can't are, there are the cons of sure. unions. But you like can't that. deny that over Hoffa's lifetime from his experience. I mean, let's just face it. Workplaces throughout the 1900s and certainly before were not great, especially no. to intensely laborsome jobs right yeah. very dangerous not a lot of like safety in place so like being inspired as, as a youth from his father's unfortunate early passing to then getting into the workforce in the 30s and up through the 50s like i mean this guy's got a lot of reason to drive change and it seems like he's doing it very well getting a lot of people on board now during his early days serving for the teamsters hoffa became involved with organized crime through relationships with high-ranking mafia affiliates this is exactly what you're saying mm. You live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Perhaps he had, and I'm not going to pretend I knew Hoffa, but like perhaps he had uh, healthy motives in mind and that the mafia would help enable a quick evolution of good uh, change, right? Uh, but it was a, it's a slippery slope you enter those realms. Yeah. And that's it, where this it, all went haywire. It, it could have been a situation of like, look, if, if I deal with these bad people... Or at least kind of get them involved and it seems like they're getting involved like on just like a basic simple level like funding oh like, okay you exactly can fund and i well, get we get how so long? much more for the people but obviously they're the mafia for a reason right yep. at that point like they get the grip on you and the bill gonna, comes they're gonna, due they're gonna squeeze you absolutely ultimately organized crime groups like the mafia gained influence and control over the labor unions by imposing fear and intimidation among employers and union members alike through threats and acts of violence. So, yep, however this started, it didn't continue very healthily, right? Yeah, and now, maybe it's, maybe it never started on a good footing. I don't know. Now it's a sickness that's spreading. Oh yeah. So therefore, many teamster leaders partnered with the mafia in racketeering, extortion, and embezzlement. Essentially, you either get kicked out and then off you go, or you join this what seems to be inevitable crime and profit from it. Damn. This is a really, like, I mean, you know. Suddenly again, it's the opposite of what it stood yeah, to be. Yeah, not right? getting into the weeds of pros and cons of unions. So like, man, this is just going downhill fast. Oh, my gosh, yes. Now, that's a lot of uh, quick background. There's still a lot more to go. But in 1964, he was convicted of jury tampering, attempted bribery, conspiracy, and mail and wire fraud. And this was all in two separate trials. Then in 1967, he was arrested and sentenced to 13 years in prison. That would take him all the way to 1980. So Hoffa refused to resign as president of the Teamsters while in prison, and he actually kept his position for four what? years from within prison walls. So he was accused of jury tampering. And, and many other things, yeah. Attempted bribery, conspiracy, fraud, things of that nature. But was he found, I mean, I guess he was found guilty because he was in jail. He was convicted like, of all of that, He was yes. convicted of all mm -hmm. of it? Ah. Uh, yep. How the hell do you still keep your position? That's doesn't matter like what I don't how get. good you are, right? right? But he's, he's too that, powerful. At that point, it's just like, oh, well, now you've gone bad. Right, especially since that position is what empowered you to do these crimes. Right, but I mean, who's to say the mafia didn't help keep the... Hey, right? Right? Maybe like, hey, what's this, going on. Hey, that's our figurehead. Keep them, keep them on top of the food hey, chain. Hey, just grease up those police in the, in, you oh, know, in the prisons. I don't know why it went to that voice. I don't know. I, I'm doing like the, the prison mic voice from yeah, the office. Yeah. Hey, the Dementors. Hey, the Dementors, come down and tuck your soul. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, he, he maintained his level 
of presidency of the Teamsters while in prison, and he kept that until 1971 when ultimately he had to surrender the position. Interestingly enough, I think that there was more going on here because that very year, President Nixon commuted Hoffa's sentence in December of 1971, stating that Hoffa may be released as long as he maintained no engagement with union activity until 1980. Basically, ending his prison sentence, he was able to walk free as long as the 13 years of no union stuff Mm -hmm. continued. Of course, that was not his plan. How? Damn. This guy's (laughs) gone. He was not interested in following that. He's gone so bad. Oh, then yeah. again, he probably had, I mean, so much power. Um, the dark side will... What a weird thing for the president to just be like, you know what? I will deal with this small little, uh-huh. like... Uh, the president, for Christ's sakes. Opens up a lot of conspiratorial thoughts, doesn't it? Why? why like, what's is, going on there? It just seems so mundane to even think about or to look at for the president of the United States. Right. And, and what a and weird, Nixon like, of all of them. you know what? You can go free. Just don't deal with any of that stuff. Yeah. That, just just what promise you won't be involved would anymore. Would not have been on my top nah. 20 things on how we got out of this prison. It's, <laughs> yeah. man, it's, uh, I'm sure a hot button topic, but for decades now, like the wrong people are just being like, oh yeah, the president of the United States said, you can go. I'm like, if I go to prison ever for whatever, yeah. I'm like invisible to that person. Exactly. You know, whatever. Anyway. Off he goes, and he has no interest, of course, in abiding by this ruling, and he was believed, honestly, to have secretly continued the efforts to reestablish his union position, right? He, again, I mean, he tried to keep it while in prison. Why would he not continue to try yeah, to go after it? Yeah, at this it? point, especially if the mafia has their grips on the union. Oh, yeah. I mean, it can easily get back into place. Well, maybe, because at this very same time, Hoffa's relationship with the New Jersey mafia boss Anthony Provenzano, or... Tony Pro for short, that relationship had become quite rocky. So now not only did like, you know, he get caught by the authorities, get arrested, that gets all shaky. His relationship back with the mafia has also become very shaky. It's like the worst love triangle I've ever read about. (laughs) (laughs) This man's future uh, was so bright. And for the most part, he accomplished that future. Mm -hmm. How... This is nuts. How Nothing is going wrong with this guy. Even with the mafia, which you go, all right, whatever. It's bad, organized crime, etc. But that's not even going well for, for him. Right. Well, it's going to get worse for him here soon. But Jesus. Hoffa and Provenzano had spent time in prison together, and there was a reported feud between them as prison mates. This feud was the result of Tony Pro asking Hoffa to help him obtain a loan for a restaurant that he wanted to open which Hoffa did not follow through on. So this is why they were feuding not only in prison, but then once Hoffa got out of prison, their relationship were on the rocks, right? How bold of Hoffa to be like, you know what? No. Like a mafia boss, right? I mean, you know what? Maybe this is why it's such a slippery slope. No. As soon as you shake those hands, you are locked in. It only, the relationship can only grow or be at your demise. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Maybe just don't shake the hand with the mafia, you know? Just don't. But once released from prison, Hoffa asked Provenzano for his support to regain his former position. Very bold of him. Like, hey, I didn't get you that restaurant, and I shouldn't be in the union stuff anymore, but hey, can you help me get my former, like, influence back? This man is wild now. This is absolutely insane. It is. He's messing around with the union. Mm-hmm. Messing it up. And then also with the mafia... Doing stuff I would never think to do. Ever. Right. Well, Provenzano could have technically helped because at one point in time, he did serve as a Teamsters leader a while back. But of course, Tony Pro refused and then threatened Hoffa by saying that he would, quote, pull out his guts and kidnap his grandchildren. So. Yep, sounds about right. Checks out, right? Yeah. Confirmed mafia. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, say no more. That's like essentially That's your mafia. business card. <laughs> So let's cut to the chase. Hoffa was power hungry and he is plotting his return to union power and ultimately he disappears, right? The relationship with Anthony Provenzano is only escalating and it is said that, you know, Provenzano and a number of other mafia members did not support Hoffa trying to climb back into power because ultimately they had lost trust with him. I mean, that stands to clear reason. Yeah. In fact, you know, of course, Jimmy Hoffa disappeared on July 30th of 1975 
from the Marcus Red Fox restaurant in Bloomfield Township, Michigan. And this is the restaurant that he was said to have had an appointment with between him and mafia affiliates Anthony Provenzano and Anthony Giacalone. This appointment was essentially to mend the relationship going on. So just in case I kind of lost you in the weeds, he disappears from this restaurant and it is said that there was an appointment between him and the mafia at that restaurant to essentially repair the strained relationships, right? Both men denied ever having this encounter or these plans with Hoffa and Hoffa was ultimately never seen again. So you Mm -hmm. and I sit here and we go, "Uh Mm uh-huh, uh-huh, we know, Mm -hmm. we all know. But regardless of thinking we know, you need evidence to put away powerful people. You need evidence to put away anybody, but especially people that are entangled with what seems to be politicians and police. So let's talk about the investigation. Any, anything stand out to you before we get into it? I mean, this seems very straightforward. Like you dealt with the mafia mm-hmm. and you just felt overly powerful. But at the end of the day, it's like the mafia, the mafia for a reason. They go that extra mile of, of uh, getting what they want. And so, I mean, come on, man. The whole, like, this meeting was supposed to happen, and then them going, ah, this never happened. Right. Imagine going up to a mafia member and being like, so, were you supposed to meet the person that disappeared here at this place in time on the day they disappeared? (laughs) Nah, never heard of him in my life. (laughs) This is a photo of you with him. Never never seen that face in my existence. Well, never heard of him that day. (laughs) Wait, whoa, whoa, you're you're misremembering what I said. Never saw him or heard of him that day. That day, officer. Oh, oh. Now fair enough. You're clear to go. You're mixing words. <laughs> yeah, mixing my words up. Dude, yeah. I mean, come on. You can't trust that. Yeah. There's no way. And then also disappear. It's just like grape, probably bottom of a river. Oh, yeah. Definitely got a Un- pair of like, cement shoes kicking oh. it. You know, the old classic, um, you know. But anyway, let's dive into the investigation. There's a lot to, you know, really jump into. So, Three weeks after the FBI began searching for Hoffa, police dogs recognized Hoffa's scent in the back seat of a Mercury Marquis Brougham. The car was owned by a man named Joey Giacalone, son of the previously mentioned mafia affiliate Anthony Giacalone. So, right out of the gate in the investigation, dogs going, smell something over here. This is where he was. Oh my God, that's the son of the person he was meant to meet that night? But he said he never knew him. Yeah. It's only it's prepared to be very frustrated. Mafia stuff, you know, more of that coming. Jesus. So another person, in fact, a mentee of Hoffa, Chucky O'Brien, had borrowed the car but denied any involvement with the case. He borrowed the car. He's like, oh, Hoffa was my mentor. Maybe that's why the scent is there. I have nothing to do with this case. So by the way, just going to put that out there. An early 1976, the FBI put out a report, the Hoffex Memo. Hoffex Memo was a summary of the investigation compiled by the FBI in 1976, essentially just putting out those facts to see if it could help bring more information in. The list of suspects shared included names like Vito Billy Jack Giacalone and Salvatore Sally Bugs Brigulio. So while this gave investigators hope that they were on the right path to proving once again, that the disappearance was in fact related to the mafia, they found that no one helped confirm Mafia's disappearance was directly related. Of course. Of course not. Also, these could not be more mafia-esque type names. Oh, yeah. Maybe just because movies have trained me this way. But I'm just like... There's a lot of Anthonys, and that's like... Joey and Chucky and Anthony. Tony. (laughs) I'm just like, what? That's like... Sounds like mafia. (laughs) What a a fun accent. Can I just say, I, I love... Not only the Italian accent, but but certainly that New Jersey, New yeah. York Italian accent is just a lot of fun. It's always it's it's an it's a fun, easy one to like play with, mm-hmm. right? Or some accents you go, ah, oh, I can't even touch that. One, one. One this one is just like so fun to like to just banter with. Yeah. So now we'll flash forward seven years into 1982. This is seven years after he was last seen outside the Marcus Red Fox. Hoffa was presumed dead. So it took him seven years to say, okay, he's likely no longer with us. As many years passed, most chief suspects also passed away, which of course hindered further investigations. That was until 2001, which the case was revived thanks to new DNA technology that revealed there was a hair, by the way, in the Mercury Marquis Brougham 
the car that smelled yep. of Hoffa, boom, there was a hair. And thanks to new DNA technology, they were able to prove that that hair, in fact, belonged to Hoffa. Wow, that hair held up, huh? Over yeah. Years. Yeah. Interesting. So this evidence was passed on to Oakland County Prosecutor's Office there in Michigan with high hopes that it would lead to a prosecution. Because what gets better than DNA evidence? Yeah. I mean, the early 2000s are rife with cases being overturned and then closed thanks to the advent of new mm -hmm. DNA technology. So, of course, they have high hopes here. The prosecutor's office unfortunately concluded that the hair was not enough evidence to charge anyone. Three more years went without answers until the release of a book called I Heard You Paint Houses, written by lawyer Charles Brandt. This caught the attention of the investigators. Now, it's worth mentioning the phrase, I heard you paint houses, is an alleged mafia phrase used to gauge a person's willingness to do something dirty, such as kill somebody, right? Damn. I was about to say, what an interesting, like, book title. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think, when we were researching, I was like, what does that mean? Like, what could that be used for? And that's like, I come up to you and I go, hey, I uh, heard you paint houses. You're like, I've been known to paint a couple houses. That's kind it's kind of slick, man. I'll be, I'll be honest. It's slick until you know. Yeah. And then it's like, got him. Damn, <laughs> dude. Um, but yeah, that's where that phrase comes from. Now, the book detailed a recount of the case by a recently deceased mafia and Hoffa associate named Frank the Irishman Sheeran. So again, this book just recounts the story of a man by the name of Frank Sheeran. Now, in 2019, Martin Scorsese directed a movie called The Irishman, mm -hmm. which was essentially a movie adaptation of that book. Sheeran was ordered to kill Hoffa by the Pennsylvania mafia boss, Russell Bufalino. Out of fear, Sheeran headed to the Marcus Red Fox with O'Brien and Bergoglio to tell Hoffa that the meeting spot had been moved. They drove to an empty house northwest of Detroit, where Sheeran is said to have shot Hoffa twice. So this supposed confession immediately led detectives to scale the entire house mentioned by Sheeran. They uncovered what they thought to be bloodstains, so they tested that with DNA analysis. And unfortunately, for the case at hand, it did not match Hoffa's DNA. Oh. Which is very strange if you believe this confession. Oh, I felt like we were getting somewhere, and then I realized it was Red Wipe. Um, <laughs> damn! Oh! Right, like this so is... So juicy! Right. I mean, we have so much connective tissue here. You have Frank the Irishman Sheeran coming forward saying, listen, this is how it went down. This is how the restaurant was attached yeah. to the crime. This is how I'm attached to it. Uh, all of these loose ends, I'm addressing them. Investigators go to the house. Hey, we found blood! Eh, not it. What? Mm-hmm. An Oakland County prosecutor, in fact, said that it was not known exactly whose blood it was, but the DNA would be, in fact, entered into the national database. So that way, if the, another match ever came up to match this, we could kind I of was, maybe figure this person out. I was out. just about to say whose blood, but I guess it has nothing to do with this case. Guess not. Who else was shot at that place? Or was somebody bagged and tagged thinking it was Hoffa and it wasn't? But that is where the investigation what? kind of runs cold. That's all we have up until what? modern tech. I mean, yeah, we what? have a few revelations here with modern DNA. Heating up. It's, yeah, you know, just got into a boil and I immediately poured it down the sink. Damn. Yeah. I mean, but here's the thing. That's why I love cases like this because as recently as 2019, we have a full confession that materialized in a book and in a movie and... And then yeah. kind of petered away again. The Irishman, that was with, God, a ton of people, right? Um, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jack Nicholson. Is that the Irishman? No. no the Irishman was with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. It is. That was a Netflix movie. That was a Netflix yeah. movie, right? You're thinking of The Departed. I'm thinking of The Departed. Yeah. Um, wait a second. That's the one where they like de-aged them? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I need to watch it. Yeah, I haven't seen that one myself either. I was thinking but, of the party because But now I really movie. want to watch it. And it'll be more interesting, I, I feel like, knowing the real-life details yeah. to watch how they activate them in the film. Now I just want to walk around our office asking people, hey, you, uh, I heard you paint houses. Ooh. And then be like, yeah, I do. And I'd be like, oh, could you say that louder to my chest, please? <laughs> <laughs> Why am I leaning into your chest? Shh, shh, shh just speak. <laughs> offices. This one. <laughs> Get him. What's really going to happen is you're going to ask that of a lot of people and they'll be like, no, what? 
Why are you asking that? No, I'm not going to pay. Go get a company that pays yeah. houses. But even more reason to go after the person that does say yes. Here's the thing. You you are going to be the suspect. You're going around asking everybody, do you pay houses? And they'll be like, yes, officer. He's the one. Yeah, but then you look back and you go, officer, I get it. I see why you're looking at me as a suspect of evil doing. But there's an episode of Red Web. Where when I did you age to <laughs> 65? That's what happens when you get interrogated by the cops. Oh. <laughs> they they de-age you. <laughs> uh, they age you. Um, man, it just kind of fizzled away. It, this, it yeah, just it just caught up. Away, man. It, it's oh. like it just drops off. Yeah, I mean, damn. It's oh, just there was so much like it's just the man got tied up with the mafia. Mm-hmm. That's just really what it comes down yeah. to. And every cliche thing happened yeah. thereafter. It really makes you start to go like, okay, life is just a big cycle. We look at movies and we go, wow, look how they predicted the future. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, no. These are natural patterns that people fall themselves into. Like into whether it be like crime by getting mm -hmm. too much power, a little taste of the, the primo, and then they slip and become nefarious themselves. Like it's wild. But, I mean, we're, there's plenty more information to discuss in the theories section, but there are countless stories and theories as to what went down with Hoffa. Oh, I bet. And, I mean, here's the thing, too. You're going to be running around in circles because you're, a lot of that is trying to uh, interrogate people that are... Oh, tight-lipped. In, in the mafia. Right. So it's like, it's organized crime. They're going to be organized about their lie. Oh, yeah. They're, they're either going to have a shared story or, or scattered misinformation or I don't know. I, Plead the fifth. I fully believe that they took care of him. I'm sure. I'm sure they painted his house. Yeah. Yeah. So in general, like, like I said, there are so many stories and reports kind of explaining what went down with Hoffa. In fact, where Hoffa's body might be from places such as a swimming pool in Oakland County's Hampton Township to a swimming pool. This is where the theories extend. The swimming pool there beneath the 73-story Renaissance Center in Detroit, dropped out of a plane, possibly into one of the Great Lakes that surround Michigan. The stories are endless, but oh, we're going to talk about the ones that are the most strongly believed, the most well-believed, and also the most well-fleshed out with facts. Because again, this is completely unsolved, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody. Trevor here. More Red Web news as we continue to try to build out what we do here and offer you all more content, more interesting things to consume and continue to keep you on your toes and keep you kind of... Uh, scared of what's going on in life, right? There's so many mysteries to discuss. And uh, with that said, last Thursday, as of the release of this episode on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash redwebpod, we uploaded our first Red Web animated. It is the Mothman episode. It is a hyper-condensed version of just the story of that mystery. And we're going to go through a handful of other mysteries that we've covered before. If you listen to this podcast, you listen to every single episode, you're going to be, it's going to be familiar, but we would love if you could go give that a watch, maybe give it some engagement, some, uh, some love in the comments or a like or what have you, but subscribe to that channel because it is our hope to continue garnering more content for that channel, to create more uh, series under the Red Web banner over there on that channel. We have a lot of ideas cooked up, some of them in the near term, some of them in the midterm, sometime in the far future. We're just hoping to build out more ways to tap into mysteries, the unknown, and the supernatural. So if you like what we do here on this podcast, we think you're going to love what we have to offer on that channel in the coming months, and uh, I'm very excited about it. So go check it out. Otherwise, with that said, I want to talk about uh, our sponsors for today. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by Babbel. For most of us, learning a second language in high school or college wasn't exactly the high point of our academic careers. For example, in 7th or 8th grade or so, I started taking Spanish class and it was riddled with memorization, which on one hand, it's so fun to take this, this course, but on the other hand, I don't like just sitting there and using flashcards to memorize things. Now, thanks to Babbel, the language learning app that has sold more than 10 million subscriptions, there's an addictively fun and easy way to learn a new language. Whether you'll be traveling abroad, connecting in a deeper way with family, 
or you just have some free time, Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons that you will actually use in the real world. When I use Babbel, I dabble with Spanish to keep that kind of fresh, keep it viable. It's definitely a, an entry-level Spanish, but it gets me going. And then I also dabble with French because uh, my girlfriend and I both like to dabble with French periodically. And I also just think it's fun to learn different languages and experience different cultures in different ways. So start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. It even comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't like what's going on, you can get that money back, baby. Right now, save up to 60% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash redweb. That's babbel.com slash redweb for up to 60% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, and even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. Christian, I'm looking at you. I have all three of those things. Maybe this ad is for me. And let's not forget about uh, the doom scrolling that we all like to do, sleeping too little, sleeping too much, undereating, overeating, all of these things. This ad read just nailed me. But stress shows up in all kinds of ways, truly. And in a world that's telling you to do more, to be more active, be more productive, sleep less and grind all the time, here's your reminder to take care of yourself. Perhaps do less, take some rest, and maybe try some therapy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and much less of a mental barrier if you're trying to find a therapist. So give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress and see if it's right for you. Task Force members, you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash redweb. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash redweb. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by Upstart. Saying goodbye to high-interest credit card debt is one of the first steps towards financial independence, but the interest month after month can feel like you're in a never-ending hamster wheel, and that's where Upstart comes in. Upstart-powered personal loans can help you pay down high-interest debt, all online with simple and easy-to-understand payment terms. Upstart has helped over 1.8 million customers on their path to financial freedom, and you can check your rate in minutes for loans between $1,000 and $50,000, without impacting your credit score, by the way. Don't wait. Check your rate today at upstart.com slash redweb. That's upstart.com slash redweb to check your rate today. Don't forget to use our URL if you want to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information that you provide in your loan application. So again, go to upstart.com slash redweb. And as always with financials, be sure to do your research. These things matter and are very important to your everyday life. And with that said, let's get right back into the mystery. So... But that said, the most commonly believed theory about how Hoffa died is that he was murdered by the mafia, but as to which mafia member is responsible for this crime remains a mystery, right? So Hoffa was declared legally dead in 1982. We already know that Frank Sheeran surrendered information about being ordered to kill Hoffa by Russell Buffalino, but other mafia leaders also had their bones to pick with Hoffa Men who were familiar with Hoffa, as well as the previously mentioned rocky friendship that he had with Tony Pro, said that it was a practically, well, it was a bad kept secret, right? That it was just an open secret that Mr. Hoffa's days were numbered. This, I mean, this man is just like going around disrespecting- How does he not know it? Everyone and everything, and then all, uh, like, also decides to meet- the the people that made you untouchable, Wild. you are disrespecting them because you feel untouchable Wild. and you are now supremely touchable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, perfectly I mean, that's exactly said. it. Perfectly said. You know, like, yes, these are criminals, but suffice to say, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Right. So yeah. in 1982, a mafia hitman named Charles Allen told a congressional committee that Hoffa's body had been dismembered and left in the Florida Everglades. Allen served time in prison with Hoffa and participated in the Federal Witness Protection Program. The FBI never found enough evidence to support this claim, which led people to believe that Allen was just trying to sell his story for profit, right? True. Okay. Yeah. Let's see that. The next kind of most prominent theory was that Hoffa was buried beneath Section 107 at the Giants Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. What? So specific. And if you are, for whatever niche specific reason, listening to this podcast while at a Giants game in Section 107, 
Take a selfie and let me see. (laughs) (laughs) That would be nuts. That would be wild. But hitman Donald Tony the Greek Frankos suggested this in a 1989 Playboy magazine interview. Now, let me just say, what an interesting place. What? 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 Hold on. Hold on. Go ahead. Stop everything. First off, like body in a stadium. Yes. Right? Specific Mm -hmm. seat labeled here. Um... Hitman interview in Playboy? Yeah. What? It's Playboy, baby. They got to get those like oh, those good interviews. What? I, like, I'm not trying to listen to some like half-awake senator talk about this and that. I want to hear how the Hitman put a body in the Giants stadium. <laughs> also, you know, other things. <laughs> I mean, look. So then you're, so you're flipping It's through. a gentleman's magazine, Christian. It is a gentleman's read, magazine. Read it for the articles. Like this I, look, exactly. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I'm, and the pictures. This, what? <laughs> this might not make it. This, this might not make it this episode. So you're telling me uh-huh. you're looking at Playboy. Someone was, yes. Getting off. And then cooling. And then cooling off to a story about like a hitman. Like, <laughs> like. Healthier, healthier than cigarettes. Where's the what? What? It is. It is a very interesting. Listen, as somebody who is not very well versed on the uh, article options of a Playboy in the late nineties or late eighties. What a weird combo. Very strange combo. But the FBI, just like the previous theory, did not find enough evidence to support this claim, and they didn't do the investigation. There was another mystery that was very similar uh, in that a body was under a parking garage, right? And as as much as you think it's simple to grab like one of those seismographs or whatever, those like sonar oh, yeah, yeah. things to Something check. Something that goes. Yeah, yeah. The scientific. <laughs> like to, to search the concrete. They, they didn't, right? It seems easy uh, nowadays, but ultimately the stadium was demolished in 2010. So I regret to say that selfie that you took in section 107 Giant Stadium the, it might be the wrong section. Oh, um, damn! Unfortunate. Um, also, sidebar: task force. I hope you know what you sign up for when you know um, one of the three heads of the task force just goes, you know, hey, we got a case, we got a crack. Bring the. <laughs> you better know what it is. <laughs> also, uh, you don't think you signed up? You're like, wait a minute, I didn't sign up. You know when you go to a website and it says accept all cookies? Yes. By listening. You've naturally accepted our cookies. Yeah. Chocolate but it, chip, but it, sometimes yeah. a snickerdoodle. But if you actually read the fine print, the only way out of it is to leave a five-star review on Spotify, please, and thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> That's the natural way to do it. <laughs> so the stadium was demolished, and they never investigated it. And here's a quote from somebody, that Jim Costler, in fact. Quote, when that information came to our attention, we batted it around, but we were all convinced in the end that the guy was not reliable. And that, again, comes from FBI agent Jim Costler, who then said, quote, We were able to prove to our mind that what he was telling us couldn't have happened because he either couldn't have been there or he was in jail at the time. So he's kind of self-admitting that he's like, listen, we convinced ourselves and that was enough. Peace of mind. Right. But here's the thing. That's an easy to answer. Was he in jail at the time? And could he have had access to a stadium being built? You can't just be like, nah, that's not possible. These people are like in the mafia. They got their fingers in everyone's pie. There's, there's a list Mm -hmm. that every mafia has about good places to bury things. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure. Where to bury it? One (laughs) oh one. It's just like where to where to bury it for dummies. As they're driving around doing mafia stuff, I'm Uh sure like they go, oh, that's a new construction site, and then they go, you know. Well, Joey, write it down. And I'm sure they're also down. funding some of these sites, you know, because if they are in in big businesses, yeah, and like, and a lot Damn. of that is like what's funding things, you know, that's eh. scary. Yeah, that's in the back, probably. You got to look in the appendix of uh, mm-hmm. painting houses for dummies, and uh, you know, it's coded, but it's in there. It's got a picture and everything. Anyway, <laughs> Mr. Hoffa, so this is the next theory. Um, obviously, him being buried in the Giant Stadium is very interesting but perhaps a little bit more elaborate than factual. The next theory is that Mr. Hoffa was shot and killed by Frank Sheeran, who then had his body incinerated. This theory comes primarily from the book that stemmed from Mr. Sheeran's confessions and all of the things that he was talking about before he passed away, Uh, though it's been long discounted by Hoffa scholars, which is interesting to note that there are scholars on individuals. 
that this was unlikely. Once again, we have another story that is unlikely due to the lack of evidence, lack of proof, and the fact that the blood found at the house led from Sheeran's story was not Hoffa's blood. So mm -hmm. it does pull some shaky yeah, it does. trust on Sheeran's position, right? Um, but that's that's pretty much it. I mean, that's all there is to say about that. If he was, in fact, incinerated, good luck. Yeah. That's all evidence gone. Isn't it that, like, even, like, um, was it mortuaries? Yes. When they incinerate bodies, isn't there also still, like, pieces that are left over? Yeah, I think you go down to, like, it's like chunky dust. Yeah. You know, you might get chunks of bigger vertebrae and, and like, like yeah, bigger bones. bones and stuff um, like that, yeah. It's not as clean as, like... Boom, turn it up in ashes. Right. I've heard. Now, with a big old silent drum roll, the final theory that we're going to talk about seems to be the one with the most information behind it. It seems to be the most substantial because as, as is clear, the, the past couple anecdotal theories are like, hey, maybe this, right. maybe that, but eh, there's no evidence. This one seems to be, oh man, I'm, I'm very excited to discuss this one. It goes on that says, Mr. Hoffa was buried in a 55-gallon drum at a toxic dump site in New Jersey. Jeez, that's creative. Yeah. So in 2015, the New York Post reported a claim that Hoffa had been buried in a 55-gallon drum at a toxic dump site in New Jersey. Conveniently, the source of this information was Philip Brother Moscato, who was a Mafia and Teamsters affiliate who died one year prior in 2014. Then, in late 2021, the New York Times released a story claiming that the landfill worker Frank Coppola died in March of 2020. Frank told his friend that his father had confessed to him that he had been ordered by a gang of unidentified men to bury Hoffa's body underground in a steel drum 15 feet below the ground. So, quick recap. 2014, a key individual passes away. 2015, yep. the story comes out. 2020, another key individual in this theory passes away. One year later, that story comes out. Yep. So let's dive into that story. Here's what Frank told the New York Times. Quote, while I was talking to my dad, a.k.a. Paul Capola Sr., a black limousine drove into our lot in the mud. His father turned to a partner at the landfill and said, quote, they're here. Frank watched from a distance as the men approached the vehicle where they spoke to the visitors and pointed to an isolated corner of the landfill. Not knowing what was planned at the time, Frank did not feel the need to share this with anyone, right? This is kind of a story that comes to light when he reflects back on it. FBI agents obtained a search warrant and went to investigate the former landfill site on October 25th and 26th of 2021. A spokesperson, so very recently as of the recording of this episode, yeah. A spokesperson for the FBI told the newspaper that data found at the scene was currently being analyzed. As of today, no more information has been shared about this search. The 87-acre landfill was owned in part by a man named Phil Moscato and was commonly referred to as Brother Moscato's Dump. This could potentially prove the tie back to the mafia, yeah. right? You know, somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who has a landfill, yep. send them there and bury him. It's just weird that you would have a vehicle pull up and then use a corner of like why that's just so suspicious mm -hmm. well I mean if nobody's watching right then it's like whatever it's just weird why would they because you're you're there right you're the professionals you're piecing that stuff together to have just someone random come in and start doing stuff I'd question it yeah I guess he, he was just like eh, it's my father's business I'll watch from afar yeah. he just knows they said they're here. And then off they went. So flashing back though, like let's keep our mind on this, this land or this site or what have you. But in 1983, the dump was declared a Superfund site, an environmental disaster area that needed to be cleaned up. So because of this, thousands of barrels were dug up and taken away from this site and relocated. This opens up the possibility that Hoffa's body was hidden right. amongst those barrels. Yeah. And it almost is like laundering money, but instead it's laundering trash, which happens to contain a body. Yeah. So when those get... And it's called a what site? It was a landfill, essentially. But it was... Uh, you said something? Oh, it was a super fund site. Uh, fund, AKA right? Fund, yeah. Okay. 
Sound like super fun side. I was like, there's nothing fun about this. <laughs> this makes no sense. But yeah, I, I guess I don't know exactly what a super fun site is, but I think it has to do with the fact that it was declared an environmental disaster that needed to be cleaned up. So it's just toxic waste put in barrels and they put it into the ground and build over it? Essentially. Yeah. Trash that would just like, you know what, let's just bury this and move on. This will be the future people's problem. That's <laughs> weird. Yeah, Superfund was essentially a law that established a Superfund program and is uh, administered by the, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. Oh, gotcha. So they basically had money set aside to, to clean up stuff like this, more or less. Now, in 2008, Frank's father was nearing death and asked his son to share his tale when the time seemed right. So this is the tale oh, that came forward. Yeah. So let's talk about that tale. The men in the limousine had come to tell the dump workers that Mr. Hoffa's body was being delivered shortly and that they were to bury it. Mr. Moscato told him to do the job himself rather than delegate it to others. And his father was upset with Mr. Moscato for pointing to that area of the landfill because he knew that the dump was constantly under police scrutiny. So the fact that he was like, yeah, 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 bury it over there means that any number of policemen, if they were watching, could have... Yeah could have used that to maybe go dig around that area. Now, th this is not necessarily to do with the burying story, but it, but it's information that is additive. Okay. This was not known information, but it's also not provable yet. So, because of the awkward position of Hoffa's corpse, after they removed him from whatever container he was in prior, they were unable to place him in that barrel feet first. So instead, they shoved his body in the 55-gallon steel drum head first. It's like side information that seems very interesting but I think because of rigor mortis yeah uh, the body stiffened up and they I don't know oh god what okay, happened yeah gross so anyway Paul Capola was left alone with the body in the barrel and he was worried that someone may had seen that affiliate pointing to some destination earlier so instead he made a quick change in plans he dug a second hole where he then buried and placed Hoffa's body the barrel containing the body was then followed by about 15 to 30 chemical drums and chunks of brick and dirt to obscure, basically, this yeah. spot. Now, when I mentioned data earlier, these barrels, this dirt, these bricks, all of that stuff, that's the data that's being analyzed as of the recording of this episode last October. So oh. that's the Yeah, so that's the information that we still don't know about, but it's being analyzed by the FBI to this day. And it may or may not result in, in further information. Yeah. Basically, is this theory the right one? Is this story true? Because, I mean, and, and I'll just cut to it because I don't want to keep you on the hook. That's the end of that theory. That's the end yeah. of any major theory. But what's interesting to me is that it seems like a network of people kind of found out about this. And it's only once key individuals oh, pass yeah. away 100%. where they can't be held liable yep. that the stories immediately pop back out they of the take woodwork. take it to them. Like, it's it's almost like taking it to your grave, mm -hmm. right? We're just like, in the sense of just like, oh, okay, hey, I'm going to pass away now. You guys can have this information. It is what it is. Do with it what you want, but can't come after me because death has me now. Yeah. But that's uh, that could turn into something in the coming. It really could, like, at, like any day. Oh yeah, it could be just like, oh, we found the b body. Like I'd be very curious to see, you know, if if all of this was drug up and moved to a different site. I'd be very curious to see like how that investigation unfolds, what is found, because if you, I mean, I don't have any reason to not believe this. Yeah, I also don't have reason necessarily to believe it. But what really stands out to me is the fact that, yeah, there are key individuals tied into the mafia that tie back into the original people, the original kind of theories and stories, that their information only came out conveniently after they passed away. Oh, and so that provides a lot of validity to me. And it also connects, like, we want to sit here and go, well, clearly it's those two at the Red Fox restaurant. Yeah. But there's no evidence to really point to them. It, it makes you think, like, this who fills else in those is, gaps. Who else? could possibly pass away and give even more evidence mm -hmm. to what's going on here. Yeah. But what a uh, weird thing to pass down to your child. Right. <laughs> I mean, who, who knows what other stories are passed around in the mafia, though, you know? Yeah, that's true. Here's the long list of things that I did. Yeah. Goodbye. Well, that's the story of Jimmy Hoffa, you know, someone who in their early career started as a very positive figure for change yeah. in the union workplace, for the working class and everything. But regardless of this always being present in his personality or if he shifted over time 
Certainly, he started to pick up more negative connotations with his affiliation with the mafia and everything else. It definitely seems like power got to his head. Definitely The way seems. that everything that's been laid out and broken down to me, it very much seems that way. Mm -hmm. When you're just clamoring to still be on top in terms of the union or uh, getting way too comfortable with how you're treating the mafia. Yeah. It's said by many, uh, especially Arthur Sloan, the person who wrote the book named Hoffa, that he will be remembered regardless of good or bad. You know, some people think more on the bad, some people think more on the good, but either way, what really happened to him will probably stay a mystery unless this investigation provides any information. It'll probably stay a mystery for the rest of time. I'm very curious, as always, Task Force, you know we're gonna do an update if there is information coming out of this investigation. But man, what an intriguing case. It's intriguing too in the sense of like this very well could be cracked in the coming year oh, yeah. or so, right? Like we're leaving with it unsolved, but I mean, that's something that's very tangible and oh, yeah. could definitely be what's going on. And it's being investigated as we speak. A lot of times with these cases, we're just like, well, they can't touch that. Or like mm -hmm. there's possibly the, the key piece of evidence or the one piece of thing that you need but they just can't touch it or refuse to touch it for some reason and now with this it seems like okay we're actively investigating it what if in some weird twist the fbi is investigating and they know now they're like we know the whole story but how do we tell the world without getting ourselves involved right because there's so many conspiracy theories some proven true of the entanglement between the government the fbi the mafia and many other things going on. Maybe a story for another day, but wouldn't that be interesting? And they're like, we got him, we figured it out. Oh God, the 1960s FBI were totally involved. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It makes you wonder, it makes you wonder. But that is the story of Jimmy Hoffa, a name I'm sure most task force members have recognized at the yeah. very least, but might not have known the very colorful history and disappearance of. I had no idea. Yeah. I, I'm. It's just so vivid to me. I feel like there's a movie that just, there's, where there's a line that just goes, what are you, Jimmy Hoffa? And then I just feel like there's a movie somewhere that I've seen that that, that line existed. Can we just shove that line into any movie? Like just <laughs> clip Fredo saying that and insert it into any movie. Like it's it's Jurassic Park. The T-Rex is running after them. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum goes, who are you, Jimmy Hoffa? <laughs> Tiny, I would love that. The tiny arms. <laughs> Just insert that line into every movie. Such tiny arms Such the T-Rex has. Baby little hands. Yeah, baby maybe, hands. Oh, maybe baby hands, the ghost, was just a T-Rex all along. <laughs> we might have found the world's first prehistoric ghost. Redo the plushie. Dang, we need to re-scrub all of our audio for EKGs and ESGs and EPAs and mm -hmm, CPA, mm -hmm, CPAs. Mm -hmm. CEOs for uh rewrite history. You know when you like you hear in the scratches you hear like help me but now it's going to be like a little dino roar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you all so much for listening. Fredo, I'll see you right back here for another mystery next Monday. Bye. Always so fearful. Bye.